Hello, welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News White House correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News political director Rick Klein, and I confirm John Carl actually thinks he's playing that music. And is it just me, or is Dave Rind, our producer, uh, playing less of that intro music? Because you don't embarrass yourself. That's right. What's (laughs) what's going on? It's it's better Um, that way. So uh, I I want we we have first of all we have a a a big big podcast today because I caught up uh, with Senator Tom Cotton who made news this morning, news, by the way, that even kind of caught his own staff by surprise on Twitter. I don't know if this is like a new trend here. Uh, <laughs> you think but, this might uh, catch on, this making news on Twitter thing? Yeah, but, but, but Cotton tweeted very early this morning. It was like, I think it was even before 7 a.m., uh, saying that uh, to his Republican colleagues in the House that they need to basically trash their uh, their health care bill and start over, that this thing will never pass the Senate, that it's problematic and all that. So anyway, I, I, I caught up with him. Very interesting discussion. He actually goes further in this discussion uh, than he goes in those tweets. But we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I want to talk about this this healthcare salesmanship effort because I had a conversation with you, Rick. I, you don't mind if I tell our, our no, no. I may deny it. But um, go, go, yeah. But 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 Rick, you were you were quite pessimistic earlier this week, and you probably maybe are still a little pessimistic. But you were quite pessimistic about the president's chances of actually getting anything passed. I think you basically um, dead on arrival may have been <laughs> you might a have phrase been a little bit that was kind, echoed uh, by someone. Yeah, and and I think that what we've seen over the last uh, twelve hours or so, uh, maybe twenty four hours, uh, is a pretty intense effort and a pretty smart effort by the White House to try to get support. Still an uphill battle. Still wouldn't predict he's, you know, definitely going to get this done. But I would say that there. He, he may well get this done. 40% chance? What do you think, John? 45%, 45%, 45%, 45% chance. chance. That counts chance. as optimism for John Carl. Uh, look, this is what Donald Trump said he would do, right? He came in as the master negotiator. This was the deal maker. Art of the deal. Art of the deal. We haven't seen glimpses of that because it's been art of the yell and art of the bluster and the threat and uh, and using Twitter as a weapon. And all the people that are marching through right now, including Lil Marco and Lion Ted, they weren't friends with uh, with Donald Trump for a long time. But this is the first glimpse we're getting of Donald Trump as a legislator. And it does seem, from all accounts, that the meetings he's having are productive. Now, I, I, I don't think that makes it likely that a bill passes. And I'm, I'm still pessimistic on, on the prospects because th- there's a so fundamental— So where are you putting the percentage chance of, of, of a bill actually passing House, Senate, signed into law? Is this on the record? Yeah, we're on the record. And by the way, Sean Spicer said it will happen. He, the okay. president will sign this into law. I'm giving it a, a 15% chance. 15%, 15%. chance. So, okay. and that's about 14% higher than what you thought it was uh, earlier. I don't know if that's the case, but maybe in that ballpark. But here's the thing to, to, to know about this bill. When Tom Cotton says start over, it's not like this was just some When you've ran- lost Tom Cotton. When you've lost Tom Cotton. It's not like this was some random draft that, that's intended as a first pass at this. This was pretty much the deal. This it may change some, and the White House is signaling some willingness to compromise. But they have worked for seven years on a replacement plan. This is the collective wisdom of Paul Ryan, of Tom Price, of many conservatives that have Mick Mulvaney, Mick Mulvaney, people that are that are steeped in this policy. And this is their proposal. It's not like you suddenly have a new idea here that no one's thought of before that's going to unite the Republican Party and get the magic number of votes. And they're, wor- they're working just inside their own party. There is zero chance of any Democrat joining. Yeah, that's the fascinating thing about this whole battle is it is strictly a lobbying effort of Republicans on Republicans. By the way, the other thing that I asked Tom Cotton about just a short while ago is about those town hall meetings. And he had one yeah. of the loudest and most widely – I mean it was like more than 2,000 people and he was shouted down. And, and a memorable know, kid. 
yeah, memorable little kid came up and and, and questioned him. Um, and I think that, that you know, uh, I asked him if if this is kind of the manufactured outrage that the White House said that these town hall meetings were. And the answer is is is, is quite interesting. But let me give you the the, the counter uh, argument on this. Um, is is Donald Trump has. And, 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 and like I said, we'll see if, if this works. But I would argue that in the early positioning on this, he has actually been incredibly shrewd just in terms of – I'm not talking about the – so everybody understands I'm not talking about the merits of the bill. Okay, right. I'm talking about guys. what he is doing to try to get a bill that he wants passed. To, I'm talking about his, his kind of inner LBJ. Okay, uh, He has methodically gone after the critics, the harshest critics of this bill – in his own party, on his own side, because those are the people that could defeat it. Uh, yesterday at the White House, he brought in Freedom Works. He brought in the Tea Party Patriots. He brought in several of these conservative Club groups. Heritage, Club for Americans Growth. for Prosperity, the Kokeback group. Yes, all of them. Uh, he, he, he brought in the groups, m- most of whom have already gone out on the record opposing the bill. Some of them are spending money to, uh, advertising against brought it, them, rallying against it. Yeah. Brought them into the White House. First, they had a meeting with Vice President Pence. Then they had a meeting with President Trump in the Oval Office. Trump listened to them. Trump engaged with them. And then Trump showed them around, did the whole full-blown thing. These are groups that have been, you know, on the fringes of Republican uh, Party, you know, uh, right. uh, the, the, the establishment. The, the, these are people the establishment has ostracized, has fought with, has ridiculed. Um, never got an invite to the uh, to the to the White House. Uh, most of them, while uh, while President Bush was in the White House, suddenly they're treated well. They're treated that they, they, your ideas matter. Tell us what you want. The president himself, I am told, you know, we know he's not a detail guy, but I'm told the president himself went through this three stage process, which is now the uh, you know the talking point. Talked about what's in the bill itself. Talked about what Price can do. On his own through uh, regulatory measures, and then talked about what they want to do in, in 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 the next bill, and those groups came out to the West Wing yesterday and didn't trash the bill. And I, I think the shrewd thing that he's doing here is giving them skin in the game, giving them a sense of ownership around this, and making a case to them that if this doesn't happen, bad things will happen after that. First of all, the Democrats get a big win. Secondly, there's almost no chance for uh, health care reform in this term at all. This is, you miss this golden opportunity. And thirdly, if you really care about things like fundamental tax reform, big change in trade policy and t- around tariffs, for instance, if you want to see conservative governance take over, you need to put some wins on the board. You need but, to get the momentum going. And that makes this phase one so important. But let me go a little further. It wasn't just the meeting with the conservative groups. Before those groups came in, the president was meeting with the two Republican senators from Alaska. Why Alaska? Alaska's got very high health care costs. Alaska's very concerned about what happens with, uh, with, with the Medicaid expansion. Lisa Murkowski is one of the four Republican senators who wrote the letter saying that they are concerned about the Medicaid, uh, how Medicaid is dealt with in this Republican bill. They weren't brought in to talk about health care. They were brought in to talk about concerns that those Alaska senators have with federal lands uh, in Alaska. Of course, most of Alaska is owned by the federal government. The Interior Secretary was there for that, uh, for that meeting. What are your concerns? What are the stuff? What are the things that happened under Obama that you want rolled back? We're here to help you. Donald Trump, I am here to make sure that Alaska gets taken care of. And the not-so-subtle message was, I'm going to take care of you. 
Sure, we're going to work together on these other issues as well. And it's a glimpse as to the promise, frankly, of of, of Donald Trump as uh, as as a legislator because he is such a deal maker. You can you can work this, but you know, throw can another I go even further. Though? You can keep going because you keep digging. I want to before you okay. know it, you're going to be up to eighty percent, John. Keep oh, going. Okay, so 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 you have the meeting with the Alaska senators. He absolutely needs Murkowski yeah. uh, on board. Yeah. Then he has the meeting with the the conservative groups. Then, of course, he has dinner with Lion's Head. Lion, Lion Ted, Ted Cruz and Heidi. <laughs> now Ted Cruz, another guy that could kill this bill, and, and he's, he knows a little thing or two about mucking up legislation. And healthcare yeah. is kind of his baby. So wonderful dinner with Ted Cruz. The the photo with the, the Cruz daughters behind the resolute. All of that. What else happened last night? Come on, I got more. Keep going. This is one. You're night on a roll. You're on a life. roll. You're on a roll. Okay. So what? Vice Vice President Pence has dinner at the Naval Observatory at the Vice Presidential Residence. Who's there? Rob Portman. No, no, but you're, it's a good guess. Mike Lee. Ah. Mike Lee and four other senators. Why Mike Lee? Mike Lee. Mike Lee is there with Ted Cruz and Rand Paul as one of the prominent critics of the Republican bill. He is working this thing in a way that we never saw Obama work, you know, member to member to member uh, to get something passed. He did, he did, you know, some of this in the early stimulus health care battles. But this is, I would argue, much more hands on. But all right, let, let me let me push back in in a, in a more forceful way now, John. And, and I appreciate the arguments that you've laid forward here. Uh, I I am not a fan of House of Cards. Uh, if you've if you've watched it, if you haven't watched it, you can. T- this is the one with uh, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. And, you can uh, tweet uh, yeah. me where I'm wrong. One of the reasons I'm not a fan is that it makes a presumption that Kevin Spacey is this master. Season one was good. You agree yeah, with that? Right? It's it's a fine show. I'm not a huge fan. One of the one of the fundamental problems I have with it, other than all the murders and the crazy stuff, is that it, it, it makes a presumption that Kevin Spacey's character. I'd is, argue even season two was pretty good. He's a master manipulator, and everyone else is just putty in his hands. He's able to work everyone else. You're assuming that Mike Lee and Ted Cruz and Tom Cotton and the Freedom Caucus folks are all just just absolutely fawning at, uh, at what Donald Trump is saying. Well, he's going to bring the Freedom Caucus bowling next week. Do you know about this? Do you yes, know about I this? do. So, the, so yes, bowling They're going to be bowling diplomacy. with Mick Mulvaney. I, I've always wanted to go bowling in the White House. Have you, have you gone bowling in the White House? I, I've always wanted to bowl with Mick Mulvaney, too. I'll, 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 I'll admit <laughs> to that. Uh, I, I think bowling is a terrific activity, and I'm, I'm sure that the, the White House bowling alley is a great place to do it. That's does not the same as delivering votes. Now, maybe Trump does it. Maybe there's some magic elixir that he spreads over this, but you're asking members of Congress to sacrifice core principles in support of this bill, if you listen to what they're saying. But I'm not saying he's just charming them. You're missing my point. My point is that he is getting with them. He's getting in the weeds for Trump. I mean, he's not a policy guy. Right. We know that. But he is, he is making the argument himself that this is the sweet spot. This is what we can get past now using budget reconciliation and all that, 50 votes in the Senate. This is what we can include, and this is our next steps to address your concerns. He is working on finding that sweet spot. What can pass? So Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz votes for this bill. Uh, I think there is a forty-seven percent chance <laughs> that Ted Cruz votes for the uh, the bill in the end. Yes, I think it's I think I think it's significantly lower than that. And I think there's other. And by the way, I, I, one thing I haven't mentioned is Mark Short. Mark Short, who is uh, who runs legislative affairs uh, uh, for the president, um, I think is love her wife. By, love his uh, wife, by the way. Fantastic, uh, uh, a great family guy. But he, this, you know, Short is somebody who both knows. The outside groups. He's got you know yeah. Koch brothers background, and he certainly knows Congress. He's worked in leadership positions on staff in the Senate and the House, 
and is, 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 is heavily respected by this and has a good ear for this. And I think they've got a great team, and I actually think they've got a strategy, but they are far along in the game to, to, to begin to have these conversations. And Mike I, Pence. Watching, watching, watching Paul Ryan play professor. Price. These are Mulvaney. Yeah, these are these are really smart guys. Impressive. But they come from that world that they need to they need to flip. I, I and they're I, making arguments. Not just we're going to bring you bowling, but they're making arguments that this is the chance. And that, that's we, I think that's the only argument they can use. It, 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 this is the only the, the alternative is keeping Obamacare. You had an interesting about ta- repealing it for what roughly seven years. Yeah, here's your chance. And and you had an interesting conversation with Cotton that we'll talk talk about in a minute. We should get to that. that, that we should get, we should to, get to, to that, that. On, on that question. But you're you're presuming that everyone else just rolls over to this president. And I don't think it, I used the yet. phrase "roll over." I, I but I, but uh, but there's no if the, if they were going to agree that this is the only chance then they are all on board for Donald Trump. The entire Republican agenda is in the hands of Donald Trump. I would grant you that right yes. now. This guy has never passed a bill before. Can he do it this time? No, but I'm saying he is behaving in a way that is surprisingly shrewd and sophisticated. Can we, can we make sure – I'm going to ask our, our, producer, our producer, David Ryan, save that clip for the next time <laughs> that Donald Trump tweets something. You heard it from John Carl right there. That's how long this lasts. Uh, so we're going to get to the Cotton interview. Before we get to that, I just want to briefly touch on this whole uh, – you probably heard the president speaking of tweets had said that the FBI or said that, that, that Obama had wiretapped yeah. him and all of that. I, what, what struck me uh, was uh, on Wednesday we saw a letter go from Lindsey Graham – you know, sure. uh, Lindsey Graham and Sheldon Whitehouse saying, we'll take you up on the challenge. The White House says Congress should investigate. Their committee, their subcommittee is already investigating Russian cyber intrusion mm-hmm. in the campaign. So we're going to investigate it. Our first step in investigating is asking the Justice Department and the FBI, did you do it? Yeah. I mean, because they would know. That novel right? idea. That, right. Y- yeah. Because as of now, the White House says that they're not sure and they need Congress to actually investigate it. So, so I-, I think that was actually a shrewd maneuver. A, yeah. a, a Graham White House letter, fine, but that's a shrewd way of looking at it. You want us to investigate? Sure. This is where we're starting. And by the way, they're saying that they're asking for it, and if they don't get an answer, they will subpoena an answer. So the idea is you either get the proof that it happened yeah. or you definitively prove it did not happen. Right. And, and ultimately, James Comey is talking on Capitol Hill about it and, and, and has asked yes. that direct question as to whether it happened. That's why this, be, this remains, to my mind, as we covered on our emergency podcast uh, a couple days ago, an untenable, yeah. untenable position for the White House because they are, they are saying that they're not sure if the, the, what the president said is true. Uh, and that they need proof from a congressional investigation. At this stage, I, I have to believe, John, and I think you would agree with this, that if proof existed, they would be they would be producing it. We know the pushback from Jim Comey at the FBI. He wants the, the Justice Department to say the president was wrong. I, I, so the fact that that is still the operative position of this White House, of this administration, that, that President Obama actually ordered the wires tapped, I don't know how long you can keep on that. And this, this kind of letter forces the issue. So you may remember that at the briefing yesterday, Sean Spicer said um, that uh, uh, I, I want to see if I can get the exact quote. He was said, there's no reason that we should, that we have, reading Spicer is an interesting, sure. that, that there's no reason that we should, that we have to think that the president is the target of any investigation whatsoever. Okay. So this was one of the questions, because if there was a FISA warrant that led to some wiretapping, would it be because they were investigating right. a criminal investigation of the president? So Sean said, point blank, we have no reason to think that the president is the target of any investigation whatsoever. Uh, our friend and colleague at CBS, Margaret Brennan, uh, followed up with him on that today because there were some reporting in the New York Times from the Justice Department saying that they did not 
uh, tell the White House that. Right. They've had no communication on this. Uh, they didn't tell them one way or the other. They just don't comment on this. So listen to this exchange to, with Spicer. The Justice Department is saying, though, that they never gave you the assurances that you gave us. Okay. I, no, no. What the assurance I gave you, Margaret, was that I'm not aware. And that is 100 percent accurate. So when you said no reason to believe, it was I'm not aware That's if right. there's an investigation. Right. I mean, I don't know that they're not interchangeable. I'm not aware. I don't believe. Um, look up in a thesaurus and find some other ways. But I, I don't know that there's uh, a distinction there that's that's noteworthy, but we're not aware, I don't believe, uh, that, that that exists. Uh, and that's what, that's based on that I've not been aware of. I mean, but that that's the answer to that. When someone's asking me if I'm made aware of something and the answer is no, then the answer is no. But the question was whether he was the target of a counter Right, and the answer is we're not aware. I don't, I don't know how much clearer we can be on this. So it's just that the White House is not aware if the president is the target of a counterintelligence probe. Correct. I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what we're dancing around the same question. So anyway, an interesting clarification yeah. from yeah. the White House. We'll see where this goes. What I'm really looking forward to is the answer to the uh, to is the Lindsey letter? Graham Sheldon White House letter. Uh, but let's get to this uh, to this conversation we had just a short while ago with Senator Tom Cotton. So, Senator, what, what is your message on Obamacare to the Republican leadership? Well, we've made a promise to the American people that we're going to make health care more affordable and more personalized, give Americans more choice and control. Uh, I don't think the legislation the House is considering will do that, and I think the process of dropping a bill late Monday night and starting to vote on it Wednesday morning is not going to make it better. It's probably going to make it worse. That's why I think we should just take a pause and continue our deliberations and focus on getting health care reform right, not getting it fast. So your message is slow down. That start over. I mean, you actually said start over. What do you mean? I, the legislation that the House has considered over the last 24 hours simply has too many flaws that are not going to bring down the price of insurance or give people more control, give them more choices uh, about their insurance. We can do so. I don't think we're far away from those kinds of solutions. But there's no reason to move at this breakneck pace, uh, you know, voting on bills just 36 hours after they were introduced, doing so in the middle of the night. We've got, we've got more than enough time to be careful and deliberate about the way we approach this. That's what Americans expect. And in the end, what matters is not when we pass the bill, but whether it's a success, whether more Americans are getting affordable, quality, personalized health care. So you know the message from leadership on this is we've got to do this, and we've got to do it quickly. The alternative is leaving Obamacare in place? Uh, that's simply not the case, in my opinion. There's no reason why we have to rush a bill through in, in the coming weeks. Uh, very few Americans will know or certainly care if we passed uh, legislation in April or in May or in August. They will care if they have better, more affordable health care in the long run. Okay, so you had that uh, town hall meeting that, of course, got a lot of attention. You took some heat from some of your constituents. What was going through your mind as you were on the stage listening to all of that? Well, I was very happy to have 2,200 Arkansans come listen to me. Normally, I get 22. Uh, obviously, we just went through an election that was very divisive. And when that happens, there's a lot of change, and there's a, there remains high interest in politics. So I was happy to have so many Arkansans come. I was happy this last weekend to have almost 500 Arkansans come to another town hall in Heber Springs and, and to listen to them and to their concerns and try to do the very best job I can for not just the 2,200 Arkansans or the 500 Arkansans who can make it to a town hall, but all 3 million Arkansans who I represent. So when you hear the concerns and you hear some of the anger, do you think it's manufactured anger, as the White House has suggested, or there's something real no, there? I, I think many Arkansans, like Americans as a whole, 
feel a lot of stress and anxiety about health care. Even if you have good health insurance, it, it still is a stressful, anxious subject, I can tell you, as the father of two young boys. So I want to make sure that our solutions don't add to that stress and anxiety, that they address the very real problems our health care system had before Obamacare, but that Obamacare has made worse, like making insurance less affordable and giving people less control over their health care choices. So what specifically are the big concerns you have with the bill as it stands now? Well, just to give you a few examples, uh, we've moved to a system of providing tax credits for lower-income Americans who can't afford their insurance. Yet that bill will give the tax credits to insurance companies, not give them to taxpayers so they can make their own choices. A lot of the Obamacare regulations remain in place. Those regulations are what are driving up the cost of health insurance. The Medicaid reforms make a step in the right direction, in my opinion, to reform Medicaid, but I think we could do even more to give more flexibility and discretion to the states, but also to hold them accountable to make sure they're good stewards of taxpayer dollars. Have you heard from the White House since you tweeted your advice to start over? Not today, but uh, they know that I think that we should be taking a, a careful, deliberative approach. And whether you're the president or a senator or a congressman, what matters in the long run is getting health care reform right, not getting it fast. Have you talked directly to the president at all about this? Not, not in great detail, but he, he knows that I believe that we should take a, a careful, deliberate approach to health care reform, that in the end what we need to do is deliver on the promises we made about results, about reducing the price of insurance and making sure people have quality, personalized care, not trying to meet an arbitrary, arbitrary legislative deadline. You know, Sean Spicer has said the president is in sales mode and said if anybody can sell this, Donald Trump can. Do you agree with that? Well, the, the president said this bill is, a, is an opening step and negotiations are ready. I would say that, uh, you know, negotiations may imply a, a bit of an adverse relationship between members of the Republican Party. And I don't want to see uh, us fail in trying to reform our health care system. So I would say what we really need to be is in deliberations. We need to be in deliberations about getting to the best solution possible that can pass the House and the Senate and be signed by President Trump that deliver on all the promises that we made. But what's at stake here? What if you fail? What if Republicans fail to repeal and replace Obamacare? Well, what's at stake is not something that matters to politicians. It matters to the American people. It's getting them good quality health insurance that they can afford and it causes less hassle and stress in their lives. Obamacare is already exploding. You know, you've got one-third of the counties in America that only have one insurer now, meaning that insurance company has monopoly over you. You've got pr- uh, premiums and deductibles that combined or uh, mean that a lot of our Kansans simply don't have access to health care. So if we can't leave Obamacare in place, but when we replace Obamacare, we can't make the same mistakes it did, claim that we're going to solve these underlying problems, but just perpetuate the problems. And if you don't come to agreement, though, the argument from the White House is that the rest of the agenda is, is, is done, that you've know, you got to do this so you can get to budget and tax reform and all the other things the president wants to do, that if you failed on this, the one thing that Republicans, at least during the campaign, sounded like they agreed on, you know, what are you, what are you going to agree on? Well, we're still only seven weeks into Donald Trump's four-year term. We're only two months into this 24-month Congress. So I would say that we have a long legislative calendar in which we can deliver on a lot of the promises that President Trump and we made, like reforming our health care system, getting our economy moving again by reforming our tax and our regulatory system, rebuilding our defenses. There's no reason right now to be rushing through legislation that is going to remake one-sixth of our economy and touch every single American in an intimate and personal way in the dead of night, 36 hours after legislation has been introduced. Is there a risk that this bill as it stands now could actually make it worse? 
I'm afraid that it could make it worse in some ways, that uh, insurance rates would continue to go up and that uh, Americans would have even less control and less choice over their health care systems. That's why I say that it's, it's time to take a pause, take stock of how we got to where we are, and try to craft legislation that is going to address the problems that existed before Obamacare and that Obamacare made worse, that insurance costs too much, it's too bureaucratic, there's too much hassle involved in it. So as you look at this and you, you know, you have taken this pretty bold position this morning. Um, are you hearing those voices from the town hall meetings you've had? Or did, are they influencing how you look at this issue? Well, I'd say my position is not so bold. It's widely shared among Senate Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we all hear from our folks back home that health care costs too much and it's too much of a hassle. You know, when someone says, raise your hand if you've been affected by Obamacare, I tell everyone at a town hall, raise your hand, because you've all been affected. Mm -hmm. I I acknowledge that some people have benefited from it. Many more people have been hurt by it. And we need to get a solution that's going to help everyone and that is going to finally keep the promises that were made and broken during Obamacare, that you're going to be able to afford your insurance, that you'll have more control over your uh, own health care choices, that you'll have uh, access to your doctor, as opposed to what Obamacare did, which is make most of those problems worse. Okay, one other uh, issue before I, I let you go. Uh, one of the next big agenda items, of course, is tax reform. And the House plan has this border adjustment tax, uh, which uh, I understand retailers, including a very big retailer in your state, are, are, are highly critical of. What, what do you make of the Republican plan, the House plan for tax reform? I have real doubts about uh, any kind of border adjustment tax, as it's called uh, by the uh, House leadership, uh, in part because it's almost certain to drive up the cost of goods that folks in Arkansas buy at Walmart every single day. Um, I don't think whenever working families are making or struggling to make ends meet that we should be making it harder for them to buy their kids' clothes or toys or their groceries or their TVs uh, at Walmart. I think we should be trying to make it, uh, make it e- easier for them to do so. I think there's other ways to reform our tax code that will cut taxes for working families but also get the economy growing faster, too. I think that idea is pretty much a non-starter in the Senate. Um, I-, I cannot imagine that it will be able to get the votes needed in the Senate. It's not something on which we campaigned. Uh, it's not something that the American people considered carefully in the election and, and voted for. Um, they all know that we want to reduce taxes and simplify our tax code. Uh, we didn't campaign on introducing a, a new uh, and different kind of tax. All right, Senator Cotton, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank thank you. you. So it looks like they're going to have a problem with Tom Cotton, not just on health care, but when they get to their tax reform. <laughs> that was very interesting. By the way, uh, you know, the retailers don't like this so-called border adjustment because it effectively is a tax on imported goods. So if you're in a Retailers like let, let, let's just pick one. Like, are there any in Arkansas? Like individual? Walmart, for oh, instance. Right, oh, let's, right, just, right, right. Let, let's say you went into Walmart. I mean, what percentage of the stuff you buy in Walmart is manufactured in, say, like I don't know, like China? A lot, a lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> roughly a lot, <laughs> roughly. Um, so Walmart's very concerned that you throw this uh, this new twenty percent or whatever it would end up being, you know, tax effective tax on uh, on imports that you raise the price of goods. And right. uh, now I know that. You know, the Ryans of the world will tell you, yeah, but currencies will adjust and the dollar will become stronger and voila. Sure. Yeah, right. That's not what they're saying. So um, at any rate, uh, he, he did, uh, Rick, uh, give me a pop quiz. Uh, when I, After the interview was over, he asked me, do you know how many states? Four. Oh, wait. Okay, <laughs> in, in, in how many states? There's 50 states overall yeah. in the country, right? Yeah. Uh, Last I heard, yeah. Yeah. So in how many states is Walmart? the biggest employer i'm gonna go with 22 
That's not bad. That's not bad. 36 wow. states. Wow. wow. Walmart. So it's not just Arkansas. Wow. That's an incredible statistic. That's that one, one private company. I haven't company. checked it. This is what Tom Cotton yeah, told me, right? We'll okay. <laughs> hey, Dave, Dave, let's check that later, okay? Um, so, uh, but at any rate, uh, interesting discussion with, yeah. with, with Cotton. And you can tell he takes what he hears at those town halls. Seriously, it's not like he's going to change his position based on what a few loud people at a town sure. hall. But he's not dismissing what he's hearing. And 2,200 people show up. And as you said, they were, as he, you heard him say, those are Arkansas, Ar- right. Arkansans. Right. Uh, and he had another 500 uh, over the last weekend who showed up. There, there's an intense amount of interest. People have real concerns. And Tom Cotton, who is about as strident a critic of Obamacare as there is in the Congress, is saying, whoa, let's be careful on how yeah. we take this thing down. Yeah. Did, did he say whoa? Did you get Not that? Not quite. On, I, 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 it's a, a metaphorical whoa. This, this is the problem right here. You're talking your, your percentages down right here, John, I feel like, and you're making my argument. I, even if you get through the House, okay, you've so got 43% this. percent did I say? What did I say? <laughs> I, I, 45, I think. Even if you get through the House, which I don't think happens right now, the Senate so is... So you even, don't think this bill's going to get out of the House? I, 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 I'm betting against it, yeah. I'm betting against it getting out of the House, uh, and, and I'm definitely what, betting what, against What's your percentage on the House? I would give it a 35% chance out of the House, okay. a one of three chance. If you had the vote today, they wouldn't get 200, much less 218. But then if you get to the Senate, it gets more complicated because you have strong conservative factions. You also have moderates you need to keep on board. And you've got these outsized personalities, people with their own followings and their own media coverage, people Rand like Paul. Rand Paul and Ted Cruz and uh, include Mike Lee in that category and Marco Rubio and Tom Cotton and Lindsey Graham. These are people who are, will carry more weight. And that makes the dynamic that much more difficult. You have no margin for error. You can only lose two United States senators. You're not going to get any Democrats. So you think these guys are going to vote to preserve Obamacare in its current form? They are going to. They're going to. They're going to say they're voting against uh, Ryan Care or voting against uh, Obamacare Light, and, and and take their chances with that. Okay. All right. Well, we've got you down. We've we've we've. Uh, by the way, uh, Dave, we can keep the tape uh, unless this thing crashes and burns. And then, <laughs> and then in, in this episode then, never uh, happened. Then we were, feel free to erase. All right, we've got to we've got to uh, get on. We got some more reporting to do. We'll be back. I don't think we have another emergency podcast this week, but we will definitely be back next week. Thank you for listening to Powerhouse Politics. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. That's right. That's right. Uh, review us. Give us a rating. You know all that stuff. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next week. <laughs>